This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. Welcome in to another edition of five on three WFUV's NHL podcast. Mike Messina makes his return to the program. I'm Chris Hennessy and Mike, a big week for your Rangers, a tough weekend for my aisles, all resulting in a huge game tonight, Tuesday night at the bar. Yeah, Chris, I, I, uh, I can't put it better than that. Being the devil's four games in a row, which is absolutely needed. There's no, there's no excuse not to do it. They're right in front of you. They're, they're clearly not a good team there and the Rangers are one of the best teams in the NHL who's playing right now. So, I mean, those, those four wins are, are absolutely huge. The only thing is, man, we, we, we're still four points back. And every time we win, someone else that we need to lose wins. The Islanders beat uh, – the, the Bruins beat the Islanders the other day, which didn't really help us out too much. So, But they're playing so good, man. Our Kemi Panarin is, is something else to watch. Something else, man. Every time I'm, every time I'm looking at the screen, it's Strom scoring, Panarin with an assist. Panarin scoring, Strom with an assist. Mika scoring, Panarin with an assist. He, he's just on the ice at all times, and, and he's making things happen. And that's exactly why the Rangers signed him. Yeah, 100%. I think you said it really well that since the Panarin return from the Putin incident, which we covered uh, back in mid-March, they've been the best team in hockey or one of the best teams in hockey. If they're in Colorado, Colorado's basically not lost a game since then. Um, and the Rangers did go on a little bit of a schneid, but they've been up there, the best team in the East, at least uh, since that, since he came back and they go out and beat the Devils four games in a row. And let's talk about Igor Shesterkin for a second, because He's technically still a rookie and, and is not going to win the Calder Trophy, but he has been absolutely outstanding since he came back from that injury. And he pitches his first two shutouts of his career, back-to-back night, or not back-to-back, back-to-back games, I should say, against New Jersey, and uh, he picks up a third win. So he goes 3-0 and against the Devils this week, and Georgiev gets that one. And you know who the number one is now because in what is the biggest game of their season – Tonight, Shesterkin goes, even though Georgiev has, has dominated the Islanders in his Ranger career. He's been absolutely amazing. I hope we get Shesterkin Sorokin tonight. Um, Trotz has not uh, said that. The first game between those two was, was exceptional. And he's been everything you could have hoped for and more. And, yes, Panarin is prob- Panarin's the MVP of the team. But I, I can go out here and say Shesterkin is the reason that this team is within two games of the playoffs right now. A hundred percent. I mean, you, you can't, you can't have the team without the backbone of the team, which is the goaltender and which is clearly should be Sisterkin going forward. Like you said, the, the two back-to-back game shutouts, first two of his career. And I, I, I was at the, uh, what day was it? I think it was Thursday. I was at the Thursday game when they won four nothing. That was also, um, Kraftsoff had his first goal that then got called back for offside. So that was kind of disappointing, but man, you said it. Um, Shesterkin is playing with his head down and he's ready for anything that comes his way. There's no question in my mind that he's clearly the starting goaltender going forward for this team. Georgiev is playing well. He had that injury the other day that had, had to come out and Shesterkin played a little bit, but he's doing fine. I believe everything was negative, but he, this team can't move forward if Shesterkin's not playing the way he does. Um, like for the rest of the season, this is exactly what they need from him. They need him to buckle down and just be ready for anything that comes his way. And I forget how many shots it was. It was like 46, 47 shots he faced in those two shutout games. Yes. The second game on Thursday against the devils when they won four, nothing, he didn't really see many shots. I think they saw 16 shots total, 
but the team made it pretty easy for him. But man, it, he is playing exceptional these last couple of games. And, and this is really what we've been waiting for all season. I mean, he had the slow start. So did Georgiev um, with, with playing every other game. He couldn't really get in a rhythm, but David Quinn really, really uh, I guess, moved forward with his decision to play Shesterkin as the starting goaltender, and it's really paid off. And I think we're going to see that more often going forward, and especially during this, the rest of the season, which is the, tough, the toughest stretch they've had all year. They have three games against the Sabres, and then the rest, Phillies, Islanders, Bruins, and Caps. So, I, I mean, this is the test right here for him. I mean, if he can play like he did against the Devils those three games against the teams coming up, then – he, he's the one we want in net for us going forward in the future. Yes. And Islanders Rangers tonight starts that stretch for New York and, and yeah, playing Buffalo was going to help them no doubt, but Boston plays Buffalo tonight too. So, so, so everybody well, plays Buffalo. every time we need, we need something good to happen for us. We win, but so, so does everyone else. So, so Buffalo, Buffalo has been better actually since the firing of Brown Kruger, since ironically enough, the trade of Taylor Hall, they pushed the Bruins to overtime. They beat the Caps uh, last week. So they've been pretty good recently. They're up to 12 wins now. They're stuck at six for a while. But those are still three games that they need to take advantage of. Eh? 100%. 100%. I have a feeling I have a feeling those are three games that we're going to see Georgiev playing to get him kind of back in the groove because because no doubt about it, we're going to need him moving forward as well. Like You, right. you can't win with just one goaltender. So so they got, they're they going to have to get him some work in, and I think those are going to be the games where they look to get it. But But – I still think he's more than capable of getting the job done as well. So, I mean, we'll have to see, we'll have to see where it takes him. I would agree. Uh, well, we can just kind of gloss over the devil. Apologies to the devil's fans who listen to this podcast. Cause we just don't talk about them, but there's nothing to talk about. What, what, what's there to say? They stink. They stink. There's, there's some good young players on that team that have shown some good signs. Alexander Holtz, the first round pick is now in New Jersey. I don't think he's played yet though. Um, but I saw that he is um, in communication with Jesper Broughton is in the state of New Jersey. Maybe we'll see him soon. Tice Thompson made his NHL debut a couple weeks ago. There's not too much to say about the Devils um, as Buffalo is slowly creeping up on them. Honestly. They haven't even, they have an even tougher schedule moving forward than the Rangers. They, they got Pittsburgh flyers, um, Pitt, Pittsburgh flyers, Pittsburgh again, Boston Islanders and flyers again. They have, they don't even face the Sabres. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to end their season, honestly. Yes, yeah, so a tough rebuilding season for the Devils, but they do head into the draft with two first-round picks after having three first-round picks, I believe, last year. So um, uh, the, the rebuild looks promising, to say the least, coming up for New Jersey. And, and that leads us to the Islanders, who we are, we are one loss away from the panic button. I, I, don't, I don't love hitting the panic button, and there are certainly some people – who are a lot closer to it than I am, but I do think that we are one loss away here if they lose tonight from hitting the panic button on this season. Um, they are only two games up on Boston for that for that playoff line. Boston is at 56 points, and in the fourth spot, the Islanders are at 60, and in the second spot, contrary to that, they're only two spots out of first place, so two points out of first place. So I it's – this was a really tough weekend against the Bruins. They, they went five and zero against the Bruins early in the season. The Bruins pick up Taylor Hall and they, and the Islanders look terrible to be perfectly honest with you for two straight games in Boston Friday and Saturday or Thursday and Friday, excuse me. And, and then they played Philly on Sunday 
And that was pretty bad too, honestly. They did not play well in that game. Sorokin stood on his head, got that team to win, and, and Letty banks it in off somebody's stick, and it goes Travis Sanheim's stick, and it goes past Brian Elliott for the win. So good teams find a way to win games they don't deserve to win. We've said that over and over with this team. Um, and now they're coming home or they're 18, two and two on the season. And they have their next six games, three are against the Rangers and three are against the caps. If you don't win four, we're in trouble. Panic, panic buttons about to get hit for you. Really? Huh? I mean, look there. So there's, this is season three under trots, right? So in season one, they had the amazing start to the season. They're in first place at the Christmas break. They're in first place at the all-star break. And then in March, they started to slip a little bit. And then they had to come back in April, win a couple of games late to get the home, home ice advantage in the first round. Last year was even worse than that. They had the huge start to the season, the 17 straight games of the point. Yes, I was going to say that's 17 straight games, correct? Yeah, 17 straight games of the point. And then, including winning however many it was, 11 or 12 straight games, and then lost seven or eight straight at the end of the season right before the pandemic. And they were on the outside looking in of the playoffs. The only reason that they were in – hold on, let me get this right. The only reason that they played Florida and not somebody a little bit more difficult in that first – qualifying round is because of points percentage they had had they had played less games than a lot of other teams and were in the top eight based on points percentage and they were able to play florida and beat them and then they beat washington beat and you know the whole story from there but they were really they were really struggling and it looked like they were going to miss the playoffs if if the season had kept going as it had planned to to be so this is a trend that we are now seeing this is three years and that's a trend once is an accident, twice is a coincidence. And now this is a trend where they, they struggle coming out of a trade deadline, coming after, you know, 45-ish games of the season. So I'm concerned only because we've seen it before. And you're going to play the Caps and the Rangers, and you got one more game against the Bruins. You, you only have two, four games total left against New Jersey and Buffalo. So, yeah, you need to win those games. You need to get eight points out of those four games. But you also need to beat the Rangers twice in the next week. You need to beat the Caps twice in the next week. You have to, or else there's there's no chance that you're going to draw the right opponent. The right See, that, opponent that, right that, now that, is Boston. That just does not seem realistic to beat Caps twice, Rangers twice. And then they they kind of have to sweep Buffalo and Devils going forward at the end of the season. Or, or they're not they, oh, yeah, that, That's not a question, that they have to sweep. New Jersey and Buffalo. You have to get those eight points. There's no question about it. New Jer- uh, Washington went eight no against New Jersey. And I think they're going to go eight no against Buffalo too. I think they're pretty close to doing that. Um, and the Islanders did lose to New Jersey early in the season, but, and they have the opportunity to go eight no against Buffalo. I, 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 why is it unreal? I mean, they just beat Washington twice in a week, a couple weeks ago. And as good as the Rangers have been, the Islanders have been the best team at home in the entire league. And both of these games are at the Coliseum. They're 18-2 and, two and two at home, as I just mentioned. They have a losing record on the road, 10-11 and something like that, 10-11. and 11. So I, I think this is completely realistic because if you want to be a playoff team, you're going to have to beat teams twice in a row. That's how you win a Stanley Cup. Of course. You beat teams four times in seven games, which requires beating teams twice in a row. Teams like the Washington Capitals, who if everything goes right, you're going to play in the East Division Finals. So – 
this week is, is huge. Tuesday, Rangers home. Thursday, Caps home. Saturday, Caps home. Then they go on the road for Washington and the Rangers next week. And so that's obviously, that's obviously where they're going to struggle the most, obviously, because, because of their road road play that they're not so good at. And then, I mean, they get they get Buffalo and Boston on the road as well. So I'm not too worried about, about them and their performance against Buffalo, but that last game in the season against Boston at, in Boston, that, that, that's kind of going to, well, I guess it can't really say that now that it's going to be the biggest game for them. Cause we don't know where, where they're going to be at with Washington, but man, they have to, they have to win those away games. How, how many away games do they have? They have three in May and then they have five left. Yep. Five left. So man, if you can win somehow, if the Islanders can win all five of those away games, that's going to set them up perfectly. I think that's fair. I think it, that's fair. And I'm not saying that they're going to miss the playoffs. They need to win those away games. Right. And I'm, I'm not saying – I'm not sitting here saying that they're going to miss the playoffs. I don't – I think that they're going to make the playoffs. I think that they can get the first spot in this division. But it requires winning a lot of big games this week. And, you know, the Boston games were big games, and they did not show up for those games. They didn't. They can't and win every game against Boston, though. You're not like, – of course you're not. You're never going to go eight – no, I, I tweeted that. You're never going to go eight no against the Bruins, but that sucked. That was an awful performance on Friday night, and it was or Thursday night, excuse me, and it was even worse on Friday because it it was just compounded. So the they were it was terrible all across the board. I look, it, I'm not really panicking. Like I, I'm not saying they're going to miss the playoffs, but the next two games, three games, I if they go on three. They're gonna like. There's a very realistic chance they're gonna miss the playoffs because Boston's playing Buffalo. The Rangers are hot. Philly is long gone. If they go 0 three, that that I feel like that they need to go 0 three in their next three games for them to have a realistic shot of missing the playoffs. But other than that, I think they're. I don't want to use the L word, but I think they're pretty much a lock unless they go 0 three in the next three games. Man, I mean, the Rangers are sitting at they're eight points above the Rangers. One point against Pittsburgh and four four against Boston. So I mean, if they lose these next three, then that's when I'm going to start saying they have a really good shot of missing the playoffs. But right now, I I think they're pretty much locked in, and I really think they have a good shot for the one seed too. So yeah, really really poor performance, but that one seed is still in intact and very close hands. Very very close. I um I I do think that they'll pull it together. I think that they can win two of these three games at home and, and maybe push one to overtime. And if you get out of this week with 65 points, it feels very unrealistic that, that they're going to miss at that point. Mm-hmm. I, I want to, so well, let's look ahead a little bit. There's 11 games left for most of these teams. Uh, the Bruins have a couple more games than that because of their COVID pause, but there's, let's just say there's 10 games left. Who give me. So we both think the Islanders are going to make the playoffs. Do you think the Rangers are going to make the playoffs? Because I do not, personally. If they keep playing like this, yes, I do. But right. it, but, but is the playoffs just third and sustainable through the next 10, 11 games of the season? I don't know. And it's really – it's the, the fate's not in the Rangers' hands, you know. It's in everyone else's hands. Right. So. And, that, and that's why I say I don't think they're going to is because the Bruins do have two games in hand and are two points above them. Exactly. I, I don't. I don't believe that that's really a, a mountain they're able to climb. So the ideal situation 
for everything, for this podcast, for people who like to watch us yell at the screen, is that the Islanders and the Rangers play each other in the first round. Of course, everybody. If, if you're the Islanders and you are able to hand pick the opponent in the first round of the five teams, of the four other teams, Washington, Pittsburgh, Boston, the Rangers, who are you going to pick and why? If I'm the Islanders, you're saying? You're the Islanders. Um, well, I guess I can go – I guess I can go two different ways. One, I can pick the Rangers because of how young they are, but it also depends how they end the season. Like, like if we're going right now and Rangers are as hot as they are as they are right now, I'm not picking the Rangers. That's, a, that's for a fact. And if Shesterkin's playing the way he's playing right now, it's definitely not them. But looking back on the season, man, I mean – yeah, they played two bad games against Boston, but before that, what they went eight in a row, six in a row. Yeah, I, f- I feel like I have I feel like I have to go Boston just just for the fact that they play them so well, and obviously, the last two games are a completely different story. But this th- th- this is going to be a seven game <laughs> series, so so I mean, I feel like they they're better than Boston this season, and and I feel like that's obvious. But I'm going to go Boston, man. I, I feel I feel like they're just a better team. They're more physical and. and, and They'll be able to win that seven-game series, but if the Rangers lose the next, let's say, couple games and Shesterkin's not playing him like himself anymore, then I would pick the Rangers over Boston. Yeah, I think two weeks ago the answer was so obviously Boston, really because the Rangers weren't in the conversation, and it was so obviously Boston because they got a 5-0 and against them. Now, now I can see it. Look, it's not Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has dominated them this year. They got their due against Pittsburgh two years ago, and it feels like ever since the sweep, Pittsburgh has just absolutely dominated this team. So I'm still going to pick Boston, even though they've gotten better since the deadline, and, and I, I killed the Taylor Hall trade from Taylor Hall's perspective. Why would you waive your no trade to only only for the Bruins? And clearly I was pretty wrong about that one, and I'll, I'll eat that. But, I mean, as he scored two goals this week for the Bruins against the Islanders. But – I still think it's Boston because I don't know how healthy their goalies are. Halak is skating again today, and Rask Rask looked pretty good this week against the Islanders. And I, I just, to me, I still am not a full believer in Boston considering how how depleted their de- defense is. So for me, it is Boston, and, and that would require, of course, winning the division or having a horrific collapse from Pittsburgh, and um, which I don't really see happening. But I don't see that happening either. So I guess it wouldn't be that horrific of a collapse. It's only three points, but still the way Pittsburgh's been playing recently, I want nothing to do with them. And really, I just, I would like the winner of, I would like the battered and bruised winner of the seven game series between Washington and Pittsburgh. That, that to me is the ideal situation to get this team back to the conference finals. So we're going to move on from the local area. Lots of good stuff going on and. um Wow, I mean, a absolutely huge game at the Coliseum tonight. Um, let's talk about the, the Canucks first. Got to start start low, so we end on a high note with Patrick Marlowe. The Canucks came back on Sunday. Um, Bo Horvat scores an overtime goal against Toronto to win their first game back from the COVID pause. It had been 18 days, and there had been, you know, as we've, we've spoken about it at length, a lot a lot of COVID cases on that team and they came back and and won there for what's up 21 cases. It was, I believe. Yeah, it was, it was so many. I mean, it was well over 20 
And there were different reports because some just had players and some had players and staff. It was well over 20, whatever it was, basically every player on the team. And they come back, they beat Toronto. This is after JT Miller made some interesting comments that were tweeted out by the Vancouver Canucks official account that were basically saying, we are not ready to play. Then about 48 hours later, Braden Holpe stands on his head and they beat the Leafs on Saturday night, on Sunday night. So all in all, this was a really negative look for the league. This was really a, a tough month almost for the Canucks who are now 10 points out of a playoff spot. Their season has pushed all the way to May 19th. It, if they're mathematically eliminated at one point, I don't really see a purpose in finishing 56 games and risking injury and risking more COVID. That that's I that's my personal opinion. I, I don't know. But you have to commend the team for coming together with a huge win against the number one team in the division on Sunday night. Yeah, Chris, you have to look at the front office first. There has been no I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is. There's been no like accountability is what I'm looking for. There's been no accountability by the front office on why this has happened. They really haven't made any statements. And just like JT Miller said, they can't be ready to get back on the ice after the month long layoff with one practice and a pregame skate. That's not getting, that's not going to make them game ready. Obviously we're saying this behind our computer screens, why they just want a game. So, so, I mean, I, I guess they are ready, but like, it's been handled so poorly by the Canucks organization as a whole and by the NHL as well, because one, they're not, they're not allowing media to their practice. I heard. And that, that kind of like doesn't let the fans and the community know about what's going on. They don't want questions asked. They don't want to answer questions. So, so it all seems a little bit sketchy to me, but they have 19 games in the, the in 32 days to finish off the season. And that is a lot. That is a lot. I, I know you said, if they're out of a playoff spot, is there even a point in finishing their games? I mean, no, I, I agree with you there. Why, why risk it when you have an extra two weeks to play more than every more uh, an extra week and a half longer than everybody else plays. It really doesn't make sense. And it stinks to see that this happened, but that there has to be some accountability by the league in the front office as to why this happened. And there, there just needs to be answers. People are looking for answers on why this happened. And it doesn't, it didn't only affect them. Like, their, their families got sick as well. So then they have to stay home with their kids and their wife. And it, it to, to expect them to go out and play 19 games in 32 days is a little insane in, in my opinion, but I, I, I don't know. That was a huge win the other day. And I, I feel like that, that really helped boost their confidence up from as low as it could possibly be. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And if you look at the schedule, the season ends on May 11th, I believe. They play Winnipeg on May 11th, and there are two, four, five games after that. Four of those games are against the Calgary Flames. Calgary is in the five spot. They're fighting, they're fighting with Montreal for the four spot, and really the only chance they have is if they sweep Montreal for the rest of the season, which I believe they have four or five games left against the Canadiens. So if we get to May 9th, say, Sunday, May 9th, and Winnipeg is locked up a spot, Edmonton is locked up a spot, and Calgary and Vancouver are out of it. One, two, three, four, five. The seven games that are going to be between Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton. Nothing. It's nothing. Like, why Like why would we play them? Let's just start the playoffs on, you know, the 17th or whatever, and, and let's go. There's no there's no fans in the building. There's no, there's no incentive for anybody to play or effectively at that point be meaningless games. And maybe that's why four of them are against Calgary, honestly. Maybe that's why... They said, you know what, just put Calgary at the end of it, and if we have to cancel them, we cancel them. 
I hope that's what the, the logic was. Uh, and you know, and it's going to be weird if Edmonton goes in having played 55 games and Winnipeg's played 54 and, and the, but the Leafs have to play 56. It's one game. It's two games. Who cares? Like literally who cares? It doesn't matter. Good for good. the playoff spot. Like, like it, it matters for neither team. And I'm sure the team would like to finish the season, but what's the point? Right. I, I, I don't know. After those Miller comments, do they want to finish the season? I have yeah. no idea. Who knows? I have no, no idea. And, and they did make a couple of trades at the deadline. They traded away uh, Jordy Penn and Adam Gaudet and pulled in Mason Bowie, as we mentioned last week. And just overall, I mean, they have four games against Ottawa this week. Uh, they have Toronto tonight, then four straight games against Ottawa. Maybe they'll be able to pick up some steam and make a little playoff run. And that'd be a, a crazy story if we had to wait all the way to the 19th to get the North Division playoffs set. And then it's a huge game between Vancouver and Calgary. That'd be, a, that'd be a crazy story. I personally don't see that. I would and like to see it, though. I, it, I, I, more hockey is, is better. But, I mean, I, we'll, we'll have to see when that – because there's a lot of math that goes into this, you know. When that time comes, though, if the math doesn't work out, um, I, I think that they're going to cancel that last week because there's there really seems to be no point in playing those games. And um, that that's just where I – that's just looking at the schedule, seeing who they scheduled there at the end. Feels like they're going to cancel this, cancel that rest of the season there for Vancouver if it does come down to that. But um, interesting, interesting dynamics going on in the North Division as a team has played significantly less games. Talk about games at hand. Holy smokes. Vancouver's going to have games in hand for the entire season. All right. The last thing we're going to mention is uh, history in the National Hockey League last night. Uh, Monday night marked game 17. 57 for uh, Patrick Marlowe, 1787, excuse me, for Patrick Marlowe. Uh, most of those, almost all of them, but most of them with the San Jose Sharks, including last night. They, um, he's the number one overall, the uh, number two overall pick. Yeah, 1767. What did I say? I said 1767. I got that. You said, you, you didn't say right. it. Yeah, you didn't say it right. It's 1760. He played 1768 is the game he played last night. That is the most games in NHL history. I got it now. I'm good. Oh. Passing Gordy House mark, what was, you know, basically one of the unpassable marks in, in history. Um, and he's at or near the top. Every offensive category in the franchise's history book, he is, I mean, is he the great? He's probably the greatest shark of all time. Um, it's a, it's a damn shame. He never won the Stanley cup. Uh, he did get close that one time. And if you watch last night, all the Vegas players came up to shake his hand and flurry was at the end and they had a little bit of back and forth. So I, I, in my mind, I hope that he said like, it's your fault. That I don't have a Stanley cup ring, which would be pretty funny if he did, but, um, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, who knows. And, um, you know, he, he's 41 years old. He's struggling this season. He only has four goals, eight points in 45 games. But overall, I mean, a fantastic career that he says isn't going to end anytime soon. So, so who knows? But he's played more games than anybody else in the history of the National Hockey League, which is pretty wild to say. Yeah, huge accomplishment, obviously. Um, hats off to him, nothing but respect. I'm seeing a lot, I'm seeing a lot of people saying that he kind of held out for the last couple of years in order to get to this mark, which is understandable. Okay. He's having an awful season. You said four, uh, four goals. 
I forget how many assists. I don't even know. Four goals, four assists, 45 yeah, He's having an awful season. Let's put it that way. And that's very obvious, but Gordy Howe, what did he play till he was 51? <laughs> he played till he was 50. So, so I mean, how are we gonna how are we gonna say Marlowe is, is kind of holding out just to beat the record when the other guy when, when Gord, Gordy Howe played for an extra 10 more years? I mean let the guy let the let the guy be able to break an outstanding record, a great accomplishment for him personally. And he, he's one of the if not the best shark of all time. So, so I have no issues with, with him doing that. And he, he even said he's, it's not ending anytime soon. So I don't know why, I don't know why people are saying that, like he's trying to force it to get the record and he's doing it for himself. Get out of here. If he had retired this morning, I would, I would hear that argument, but he did not retire this morning and he's going to play for the rest of the season. And he says he's going to keep going. Um, what's interesting about, about this, and it leads to a larger discussion and a discussion that, hey, maybe you and I will have one day about Alex Ovechkin breaking Wayne Gretzky's record and Wayne Gretzky's goals, 894. That one I know off the top of my head. Got that one right. Um, And what the WHA, you know, means in these records. And WHA, of course, was an opposing hockey league, World Hockey Association, where both Gretzky and Hal played. And Gordy Hal played a lot of games in that league. And Gretzky scored some goals in that league. So, you know, he played till 50 and he got to this number in the NHL because he played a lot of games in WHA. And there are the Twitter trolls are, are out in a million and one ways saying that he should have retired or he never won a heart trophy or he never won a Stanley Cup or Gordie Howe played in W. Dude, who cares? I mean, like, this is a phenomenal record. A guy who's been an absolute baller for 20, three 24 years whatever it is he was drafted at 17 years old he was the youngest player in the nhl when he got there and scored i mean he scored 13 he's had 20 goals so many times i mean there's so many times more than i could count a guy went to the stanley cup and he was ancient then and didn't retire he kept going he kept going trying to win that stanley cup and he obviously you know unless he gets unless he goes somewhere at the end of this season to go for that stanley cup uh, it's not going to happen, but he, he's a fantastic player and by all accounts, a fantastic person. And he also has an Ironman streak going too, which I didn't know about this. He hasn't missed a game since the 2009 season. I did not know the 2008, that. 2009 season. I learned, I watched um, some of the sharks coverage last night. So he missed a couple of games that season. He played 76 games since then. You're at 82, 82, 82, 48 in the lockout shortened season. And then 82 games all the way through last year where he played 58 games with the Sharks and eight with the Penguins before that season um, went down with COVID. And now he's got 45 of 45 this year for a total of 1,768. He's not a Hall of Famer, but he is a fantastic player and a great story last night as he breaks um, what I thought, honestly, was an unbreakable record. I don't, I don't know about you, but – but I thought that was an unbreakable record and, and it leads to, it leads to the conversation and, and we'll just have it because I've had it with Jack and I've had it with Jackson. And is he going to score 895? Is Ovechkin going to get to 895? It's possible, man. It is possible. There's no signs of Ovechkin slowing down. Zero. There's nothing. I know. I for the longest time I never thought it was going to happen, and then he hit 700 last year, and I was like, "Oh, 
It's in reach. We're getting, we're getting tight here. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Caldwell was at that game. He was. He was. Yes, it was yeah, in. Yeah. Uh, I remember Jersey. seeing that. And I remember seeing him tweet about it. Man, it is in reach and distance of him. What is he at? 725? 724? Yeah, now? right in the 720s. Yep. Yeah, 724. So he's got what? Right, 170 goals. 70 left. Right. So, man, I – look – there's so ESPN stats and info ran this. So they're saying his current goals per game pace is 0.61 goals per game, which will need him another 270 games to, to get to that. So if you take a little bit off of that, cause he'll be regressing maybe about 330 games, which is over three into four seasons. He's only, You're, he's about to be 36 though. So if, if he can yeah. play to 41, 42, man. Right. That that's the thing is that this guy has just never slowed down. And I think we are kind of taking Crosby and Ovechkin for granted where they were drafted 16 years ago. They're not, he's not Sid the kid anymore. He's, he's old. He's legitimately old. And, and so is Ovechkin. And I, I look, I hope he does get it because that's a history that you don't, you don't get to not everybody gets to see that in their lifetime. Right the fact that he played against for a rival team at that point means nothing to me. Um, that that's history that you don't always get to see. And that in a lot of other sports where well, you might never, we might never see somebody break Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record of, of points or 56 game hitting streak or any, any sort of like that stuff's never going to get broken. Exactly. And football, the, the passing yards record gets broken every five minutes. So it's mm-hmm. not that special, but I, I've kind of, I've changed my tone on it over the last three years, probably when I, when I first kind of came to fruition you know, around six fifty, I was like, not only is there no chance, but I don't even want to see it. And now I think there's a, there's a pretty decent chance it's going to happen. And I, I want to see it. I want to see that goal eight ninety five, and um, and we'll see when we get there. And hopefully we're still talking about hockey in five years or whatever that would be. So Patrick Marlowe, congratulations on the most games played in NHL history. That's going to do it for us. Big week uh, in New York hockey and hockey in general. We'll come back just a few weeks away, about 11 games to go until the playoffs begin. Mike Messina is with me. Thanks to Tyler Mooney for putting all this together. I'm Chris Hennessy. We'll see you then.